The Dragon Reread is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know every armadillo is a registered blood donor? Uh, unfortunately, their blood is useless, so it doesn't go anywhere, but they just love giving blood. They're like, you know that, that thing people have where they have a fear of needles? Uh-huh. Armadillos have the opposite of that. <laughs> they love <laughs> they just, needles. They love getting stuck. <laughs> <laughs> Stick it to me. <laughs> That's good. I did not know that. I did not know that, yeah. For more armadillo-related facts, to find out how you can access episodes a day early, and to learn more about our other podcasts, visit us at armadillo.club. The wheel of time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there. Welcome to the Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I'm Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Michael Sparkman. And today we're going to be talking about the prologue through chapter two of The Gathering Storm, book 11 of the Wheel of Time. It's actually book 12. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking God damn it. Seriously, no. It says on the cover. Wait. <laughs> Jeff, oh, come on. Does. We expect some professionalism here. <laughs> did you do the reading, Jeff? It felt so good. <laughs> do okay. we need to start over from the very beginning? Uh, maybe, the Dragon maybe. We Read is brought to you. Okay. Maybe I should just go home. You know, the spirit has left me. <laughs> we'll do our Jeff impression. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jeff. Whoa, wait, whoa. Who was that? Whoa. That was creepy. Was that Jeff? Or, oh, that was really, yeah. yeah. Uh, <clears throat> book 12 of The Wheel of Time. Last time... Previously, Perrin finally wraps up his whole rescuing Fael art by making a deal with the Shanchan to sell a bunch of Shido Chandlers into slavery. Uh, while he's at it, he kills Aram <laughs> and Roland, so um, I guess those plot lines are resolved. And uh, also, in the aftermath, Savannah is taken by the Shanchan and the Galena is taken by the escaping Shido, so we can check them off the list too, I guess. Either way, I don't expect we're going to be hearing from Perrin for a while. He's got some catching up to do, if you know what I mean. Right, he's got, what, like 30 knots to tie or something? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Matt meets up with a band of the Red Hand and goes full Matt on the Shan Chin of Altera. Tuan is like, God damn, that's so fucking hot. I'm going to put a ring on that shit. <laughs> um, a marriage kind of ring, not a slavery kind of ring, just to be clear. Because, uh, I mean, I guess that doesn't necessarily go without saying with Sean Chen. Yeah. Uh, she reveals herself as the Empress and makes Suroth a slave for her treachery. Are we detecting a pattern here in terms of, like, if you don't like a character, they're probably going to get sold into slavery? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, a female character. Yeah, sorry. A female character. Ooh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, in a fight... Sorry. <clears throat> In a failed bid to join NDA's rapidly growing ranks, Rand plows headlong into the world's most obvious trap. <laughs> Simiraj blasts his hand off, and Nynaeve is like, that is not how you abracadabra face punch, bro. <laughs> uh, but they do capture Simiraj in the end, so I guess that's success, you know? Good yeah. job. Uh, I mean, that, oh, on the other hand, they call Simiraj. <laughs> uh, oh, is it too soon? No, it's not too soon. It's fine. I think, well, this, this chapter starts like five minutes after that happens, so probably. <laughs> so maybe too soon. <laughs> On the other hand, uh, uh, sorry, sorry, Rand. Uh, Egwene continues her stint as a prisoner slash guest of the White Tower, but it's very much a I'm not stuck in here with you, you're stuck in here with me situation. <laughs> She's sowing seeds of discord and rebellion like a damn pro. Based on current patterns, I think a certain red Aja Amelin is about to find herself sold in slavery. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, Elaine gets kidnapped by the Black Aja, but thanks to Regita, she's able to turn the kidnapping into a crushed rebellion, so now she's Queen of Andor. Nynaeve is with Ran, but Lan is flying across the borderlands like a glorious golden eagle, gathering the scattered remnants of the Malkyrie for a final assault on the Blight. 
Moraine is not Portal Goo, but is actually trapped in another dimension, waiting to be rescued. And Loyal got married to an Ozier hottie and is off to speak at the stump to get ran some Ozier allies. Bella is still chilling outside the White Tower, probably believed that hostilities are... I bet she's speaking on his stump. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Yeah, definitely. Like, you saw the look in his eyes. You saw the look in her eyes. Like, yeah, I saw what those ears were doing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, don't, don't talk about her ears. That's lewd. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Bella's probably relieved that hostilities are de-escalated, seeing as she's a pacifist horse. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Get you now. Yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, any characters I missed? I think those are all the big ones. Uh, I can't remember any. It's been weeks. Yeah. Literally weeks. Yeah. A lot's happened. A lot's happened since then. So yeah, I think that covers our bases. So the, now it is time to judge a book the best way there is to judge a book by its cover. Yeah. And this is another Daryl K. Sweet banger. Yeah. So we have Rand shaking his fist dramatically at the sky. Oh. No, he's doing a power pose, like a Freddie Mercury thing. Is that what it is? Yeah, okay. he's about to sing I Want to Break Free. <laughs> I want to. I mean, like the outfit, right? That's Daryl. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, kind of, I couldn't tell exactly which of his hands was the one that got burned off because look at that tiny little hand that is a tiny little fist <laughs> is that a nub is that a hand right it could be right he but shakes you, his tiny fist and swears that he was wrong if you look at the other side it's got he's got it kind of tucked away so i'm guessing it's his left but i mean you really can't tell you know i think they yeah. say it's his left hand that that got burned off oh, well, yeah i think we knew that yeah and and i think i think we talked about it because it's, it's his off hand um which is preferable but he stumped he still sometimes likes to use that one to jerk it you know the stranger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The stranger. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. And who's that? Who else? Is that supposed to be a... a light? I was no, no. That's was... Avienda. It's got to be Avienda, okay, right? Avienda wasn't there, right? Like, well, I... is this? He's standing in front of a house that the door got blasted off and he's standing there with one hand. So it sure seems like that house where the door got blasted off and he got his hand burned off. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, is this naive? You know, but just based on the <clears throat> display... Uh, but Nynaeve doesn't have, I mean, Nynaeve doesn't have red hair, right? Yeah, she's too, dark-haired and it's in a braid. Yeah, it's, it's pretty well-established. I mean, it could be, it's very possible that another house gets its door blown off at some point yes, in this book, right? Yes, that is a possible. Point. And I mean, he stands outside. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Maybe Rand did it. Yes. <laughs> He's like, just before he pumps his fist. Yes. I'm thinking it's got to be Avienda because she's got red hair and she's got the bulky skirts, right? No, you're totally right. And the white uh, top. Uh, Avienda makes the most sense. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I that's got to be her. God, yeah. we haven't seen her in a really fucking long no. time. Well, she was hanging out with Elaine for a yeah. long time and then she left. Yeah, she showed her talent for Tarongriel and then was taken away. Yeah, it's a real bummer. Yeah. Uh, I guess he's he's got his uh, soldier buddies with him and they're like, oh shit. Those, really this thing those look like yeah. Shinarans, right? They must be Shinarans. Yeah, I think yeah. so. So this is probably that house where he was hanging out with the Shinarans. Yeah. But that house still had an unblown off door, last I heard. So. I, I feel like... Spoiler. Yeah, so so one, he, he is traveling from manor house to manor house right now. So I'm guessing either this happens again or the person who did this cover didn't necessarily have a <clears throat> good grasp of the <laughs> book. I mean, maybe this happens whenever he reaches for the doorknob with his left hand oh. and like, <laughs> fireballs it. Oh, oh man, again! Because now it's his fireball hand. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of house, though, uh, it, it feels like there's like weird perspective happening here. Like, this is the tiniest damn mansion I've ever seen, right? It's very tall and thin, and it's kind of a rambler. Yeah, yeah that thing on the side is super cool, the like tower off to the side. Yeah, it's yeah, a good tower. Nice. Yeah, yeah I, like, I do like the architecture. But we got to talk about the most important thing. 
There's two names on the cover. <gasps> that's, oh, that's right. Yeah, this is Robert Jordan and Brandon Sanderson. Jeff's favorite person. <sighs> Who we met in an elevator at the con. Yes. Yes. I, don't, it, I, don't, I guess people probably listened to our con episodes. They weren't very long. But in case you didn't, yeah, we did end up in an elevator with uh, Brandon Sanderson. And we, right. And this, so this is now my super Brandon nice. Sanderson story. Where uh, I was, we were standing in front of the elevator, and I was saying, the thing about Brandon Sanderson is, and then he walked around the corner behind me, and Alice <laughs> shushed me, like, shh, 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 shh. <laughs> and I didn't get to finish what I was saying, and then we had this awkward elevator ride. And what I was about to say was, the thing about Brandon Sanderson is that he is so generous with his time at this convention. <laughs> He's put so much work into it. He's in all these panels. I was going to say nothing but nice things about him, but you made it sound like I was this guy away. To be fair, in our long relationship of all the times we've talked about Brandon Sanderson, that would literally have been the first time you had said something positive about Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> not because not he's not a nice guy. Seems like a great dude. Yeah. Like, he at the con, he was literally doing like a, a Magic the Gathering draft for charity or something, right? Yeah. Like all night. You know, he was... He was yeah, it was like 1130 at night and we got in the elevator with him and he had like a thing of uh, microwavable oatmeal and he was finally going to get to go eat dinner at 1130 at night because he'd been interacting with fans all day. Yeah. 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 So, well, cool dude. But... uh I just, I've never liked his books. Yeah. And uh, one of the, probably the most common recommendation we get for other books to do. Mistborn? Uh, yeah, our, our Brandon Sanderson books. Yeah. Or which, Stormlight Archives? Is it, is yeah, it Stormlight right? Archives is a common recommendation. We could, we might do it for sure. Because it fits right into our wheelhouse. I just don't like Brandon Sanderson's writing. <laughs> well, I mean, like, it'd be a nice transition, right? We go Robert Jordan to Robert Jordan, Brandon Sanderson to Brandon Sanderson. We just make fun of them all, all along the way. You yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I, I I think it's very funny that I literally have not read a word of Brandon Sanderson until after I rode in the elevator with him. Like, because we only just started doing this. Yep. Um, and the forward, the forward made me tear up. It was really sweet. Yeah. yeah it was. It was written by Brandon Sanderson about Robert Jordan, about how he was a fan and how he jumped at the opportunity to finish the books. And then I think he said that it was, he felt it's like uh, he's, what do you say? It's about the actors. Like he's using the same characters, like the actors, he's, but a different director. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Which I thought it was a really nice way to put it. You know, I, I, we know that he's working off of a significant amount of Robert Jordan's notes and things like yeah. that. So Robert Jordan wrote the the beats and even some of the scenes, but Brandon Sanderson yeah. obviously had to take a lot of liberties to finish and it. I kind of respect that he he deliberately is not trying to copy Brand, uh, copy Robert Jordan's style of mm-hmm. writing. He's right doing his own writing mm-hmm. style. Which is very noticeable. It is. Uh, but uh, I think that was the right thing to do. I think it's respectful and, and a smart move. Yeah. yeah. So far, I, I mean, we're, you know, obviously just starting out. But so far, it's, it's fine. It seems fine to me. You know, we haven't, we haven't gotten to any of the things where Robert Jordan really excels, like fight scenes and things like that. I guess that would be where I'd, I would hope that Brandon Sanderson can do his own, you know, right. own spin really well. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But just so far, just from just from the forward, you, uh, at one point he says, Before his passing, he asked Harriet to find someone to complete the series for his fans. He loved you all very much and spent the last few weeks of his life dictating events for the final volume. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was crying. But I didn't realize that it was the final volume. It was just supposed to be one book, and they ended up dividing it into three. I did not know that either. But oh, that's, that's, that's massive. Yeah, yeah. that's a very that, that would be crazy. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Mean, look how freaking huge that book is right the, there. The, the Gathering Storm is the biggest one yet, right? Yeah, this is you could already prop up a car to work on it with this book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we've got three left: The Gathering Storm, Towers of Midnight, and A Memory of Light. And then, of course, the prequel. And then, yeah, and then we have to do um, New Spring. New Spring. Yeah. Yep. So. Prologue, what the storm means. 
And that title made me laugh <laughs> because Barbara Jordan is very oblique with the meanings of his metaphors and stuff. But Brandon Sanders is like, The Gathering Storm, Chapter One, What the Storm Means. <laughs> In case you were wondering. <laughs> and it opens with a guy looking at a storm. <laughs> I know. I was like, I love this. It has so many stories. It begins with an old man fighting with some clouds. <laughs> well, except can we talk about what comes before it, though? Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The yeah. Little, little opener. Which was very surprising to me because... Ordinarily, they're much more um, poetic. Yeah, me- metaphorical. Yeah, yeah, metaphorical, and they they sound more like you know Nostradamus, and this did not. It was very weird. This sounded. I mean, it says it was a journal entry, which I thought was an interesting touch. Mm-hmm. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, the dead are beginning to walk. Yeah, like a diary entry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's that is a different tone already. It is. Yeah. yeah. Okay, prologue, what the storm means with the icon of the Wheel of Time. Uh, yeah. Wait, is that the icon of the yes, Wheel of Yes, it time? is. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Renald, the borderland farmer, uh, is concerned with a wall of strange magical clouds that is hovering near his farm. Not, mm-hmm. No, it's not hovering. It's jumping closer and then jumping away when he looks away, right, which is it. not necessarily a way that you want clouds yeah, to behave. Mean magical clouds. Yeah. And wasn't this interesting to start from the perspective of just some random like middle class... Nobody. I feel yeah. like he does it sometimes, but usually you're right. We get characters that are like the you know the nobles or 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 at least peripheral characters that we've met before. Yeah, yeah. In the early books, Robert Jordan spent more time on kind of how these events affected the the small folk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of fallen away as the book stories gotten really big. So this was interesting, you know. Yeah. And uh, his farm is dying, and and everything sucks, and it's bad. Yeah, I kind of I actually kind of love this scene because this is this. It's a very Borderlanders kind of feel, right? Like, you know, he's he's a Borderland farmer who's like, just like, oh, yep, been on this farm my entire life and been yeah. building this farm up. And this his Smith buddy comes along and is like, the storm's coming. We have to go to the north. And he's like, but why? He's like, the storm is coming. We have to go meet it. And he's yeah. like, the storm's coming. We have to go meet it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Smith started to say, like, okay, so take your scythes. You can use those and, like, take your third best scythe and you can turn it into a sword. And here's how you do it. And it gives them instructions <laughs> on how to do it. Like, typical blacksmith. Yeah. Every, a solution to every problem is blacksmithing. <laughs> well, then then the farmer's like, well, I better go, 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 my, yeah, go, go get my forge. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I, I don't mean... I don't, Again, this is a very Borderlanders thing, right? Borderlanders must go ride to meet the storm. But, like, I feel like Renald seems like he might not hold up well against the Trolloc. He's like an older dude, right? Right, but what choice does he have? Yeah. He fights the Trollocs there or fight him here, you know? That's, Everybody has to go. Yeah, that's fair. It's a nice sentiment for sure, you know? Yeah. And he, he rounds up all of his farm workers, which I feel a little bad for because, you know... That's what I was... They, they signed up to work on a farm. They didn't necessarily sign up to jump he, into his Trolloc cook pot. He's not telling him where they're going. He's just like, come with me. He's like, you've worked for me for how many years? All right, well, then we're going. <laughs> yeah. They're like, okay, guy. Okay, boss. And their wives are going too, and like their families, and it's it's time. The Borderlands is mobilizing. Yeah, yeah. which I, I, I... Again, I... I kind of love it because it's just like the, this, the idea of, we don't spend a lot of time with the Borderlanders short of, uh, I think, was, was it in the the second book where they pass through the Borderlands? Yeah. Uh, but their, their culture is very like, from the top to the bottom, they're all ready for, to go kill some Trollocs, you know? <laughs> kind of dig it. So I thought, even in this first prologue, I thought the writing style was noticeably different. It was. I couldn't put my finger on why. Uh, I think... What I would say is it's much more explanatory than Robert Jordan was. Yes. Um, and Robert, Robert Jordan wasn't the most poetic writer, but this is a lot more literal. Mm-hmm. And it's also a lot more colloquial in the prose than Robert Jordan was. Like there's a, there's a line later on where it says Egwene has a lot of work to do. 
uh, that's not something I think Robert Jordan ever would have written. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Because he tried to keep it more sort of high fantasy-ish. Mm-hmm. So it's modernized language. Yeah, yeah that's it. Good job. You put your finger on it. Yeah. That's what I think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, so you think that the reason that they're willing to just drop their lives and go fight is because they're borderlanders? I think that every... So it, it kind of reminded me of of when Nynaeve was in the... Um, the tavern, right? When she traveled. Yeah, yeah. So she walks up to the, some random Malkyrie and she's like, you know, the golden golden crane is flying to the flying to the border. Will he fly alone or whatever? And they're like, no, we will fight with him. So it's like, yeah, it's very, like, yeah. to me, that's like very Borderlander mentality yeah. where it's like, okay, we're doing our day-to-day things. And yes, I've been on a farm for 20 years, but my father fought in the Isle War. And when the time comes, I will fight too. You know, it's just like, that's, to me, that's very Borderlander. It would have made more sense to me if somebody Tavaren, like Nynaeve, was there. That's what I was thinking. This feels like Tavaren. This guy's whole life just changed in a moment. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a that's a really good point. Uh, and I wonder if we're getting to a point where, you know, the threads of the, the Tavaren are spreading further and further. You know, this is yeah. Uh, this the, the end times, right? Yeah, it feels, it just feels supernatural in some way to me. Yeah, well, I mean, there's the clouds, right? <laughs> right there, yeah, there are those magic evil clouds floating around. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, there's something weird going on because it says he feels dazed. <clears throat> yeah. 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 As if he's, yeah, well, maybe there's like not, not quite in his right mind or he could just be dazed because he's like, oh, I'm about to give up my life. And Right, yeah. Maybe, weird, yeah. But, but either way, it's, it's a lot, right? Yeah. So then, yeah, we check in with some of those Shan Shan Suldam mm. that were at the uh, encounter with Samir Haj and Rand. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're pretty shooketh by the whole thing, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, they're totally freaked out because, hey, we were working for Samir Haj, and also there's the Dragon Reborn, and oh, his eyes are so cold. <laughs> <laughs> cold and ice, cold and diamonds. Yeah, he's because he's, he's sending them back to be, essentially be his emissaries to the Daughter of the Nine Moons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's letting um, them go. You know, earlier when we when we heard about these people back from Surah was... Still, uh, you know, Suroth. Uh, I, I, I thought for sure these kids were were gonna find themselves at the bottom of a very deep well. You know, <laughs> like, I, I guess now that Tuan's taken over, they maybe they stand a chance. I don't know. Yeah, well, they they definitely after they leave, they're like they want me to give a message to the Daughter Nine Moons. Fuck that. I, I know, right? She Falendre does not seem optimistic about her chances. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if they're gonna find her a very reliable messenger. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's the. That's the Shanshan rules, I guess. You don't, you can't just say something out of turn to the daughter of the nine moons. Mm-hmm. And you know, based on what we've seen, I'm inclined to agree with her. Like Tuan, in in her role as the empress, if this woman approached her, regardless of the fact that she's actually doing something good and useful, she might still be like, "All right, well, that was out out of line." So, thank you for the information. You're a uh, property now. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So then we got to uh, Tai Li and Mishima, those uh, Shanshan people that Perrin made buddies with. Yeah. And they're just sort of sitting around thinking about Perrin, talking about Perrin. He's a pretty cool guy. They're, they're like, you know, Perrin's a pretty cool guy and, you know, maybe the Sean Chan should team up with these these folks. Because, I mean, they, they're not so bad once you get to know them and then, bam, troll attack. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, Mishima catches an arrow in the throat and he was the cooler of the two of them. I know. I was like, Mishima goes down so fast. I was like, oh man, I was, I was like really getting into this guy. Yeah, uh-huh. but, but Trollocs. Remember Trollocs? Yeah, it's been I, so long. That, I mean, the problem when you're when you're dealing with you know characters like Rand is you can't really use Trollocs very effectively, as we demonstrated when he murdered a hundred thousand of them in a you know in an afternoon. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they didn't even realize Trollocs were real. I actually felt kind of sorry for her. I mean, fuck the Shanchen, but still. Yeah. yeah. They, uh, these you know. Of the Shanshan, these were some of the nicer ones, I suppose. Um, but I mean, Tai Li might make it out. She's kind of, apparently she's kind of a badass. She like starts doing 
uh, Swordmaster stuff, right? Yeah, which is good. Yeah. And that Swordmaster is good against Trollocs. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> as long as you're not a handful of Mirrodrill there, that might be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was thinking, actually, in the battle scene. Because we're all old hands at Trolloc battles. We're like, where's the Mirrodrill? Yeah, right. Yeah, because if there's Trollocs working together, they don't work together unless there's the Mirrodrill there. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Only fear makes them work together. That's right. I, I felt kind of sad. Sorry for them. Like, yeah, me too. Yeah, you know, you cross an ocean and all of a sudden you're confronted with these horrific things that you never thought were real. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, like these are... It's like going to Australia. <laughs> exactly, right. Yeah. <laughs> you go to Australia and you're like, oh yeah, there, the, there's actually a boogeyman here. Yeah. So we leave her in the middle of a fight with the Trollocs. And then we cut to Grendel. Hi, Grendel. Yeah, yeah. she's lounging in her pleasure palace she's with her menagerie of beautiful people. Having a Grendel party. Yeah. <laughs> seems pretty great, actually. Yeah. And oh, and, and, Everybody's uh, always wondering, what's Grendel up to? No one knows. Well, yeah. partying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> like, I, I gotta say, of the of the Forsaken bases, like, Grendel is, like, whew, totally my speed. That's totally what number I, one, yeah. Yeah, pleasure palace, man. That's what I'd be all, do, all about. Do you feel like if she was around today, she would have a porn addiction? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. probably, right? Because, like, her rug shows people... Entangled in ways that would have made even ex- an experienced courtesan blush. I, I think, Can you imagine like going to the rug person being like, hey, I want a rug of people fucking. <laughs> but no, no, not like, normal fucking. Yeah. Like weird fucking. Yeah. <laughs> Here, I'll draw some illustrations for you. Okay, no, no. Backwards. Okay, now, now yeah, in the mouth. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Rotate that 17 degrees. <laughs> yeah. But no, I think you're totally right. Because, I, I mean, I don't think it's happening in this scene, but I'm pretty sure... In a previous book, when Samael appeared, it was in the middle of a bunch of people like boning each other while she sat in a throne or something. You yeah, know? that's what she does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I think uh, she's having um, a good old time. Unfortunately, the party's broken up because she is summoned to go meet with Moradin. Not just summoned, by the way. Another portal opens up that almost kills some of her her people. This is like a thing with the Forsaken. I know. That's so very rude. rude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just open a portal and almost kill somebody. Happens mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. But she comes because uh, to the meeting because Moradin is nameless and she goes to a fortress in the blight apparently there's a fortress there yeah like okay this is not like a super pleasant place to be like she's describing it and uh she's like okay well they're trying to get some blight crops because it's really hard to grow crops here (laughs) why would you hang out here yeah Yeah. and you know the blight uh, there's always the blight beasts are constantly attacking all the time because they don't obey anybody (laughs) yeah well and and also like the furniture sucks (laughs) it's really uncomfortable furniture well i love she was thinking like a texan too she's like why the fuck would you make a black building (laughs) (laughs) she is totally right why would you make a black building in 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 the (laughs) so demandrit and masana are there too yeah, they're meeting. They're ha- they're all they're all gathering to meet and discuss Simiraj. Yeah, and, and this is the apparently the gift of Moradin to Grendel is to be in there when they have the meeting about Simiraj because that gives her information about where Simiraj is, which yeah. is captured by the Dragon Be Warned. And we still don't know who know who Masana is in the White Tower. We don't. Although Grendel, we get the most direct rundown ever of what the Forsaken are doing in mm-hmm. Grendel's head right here. Yeah, yeah. And she's saying Masana's in the White Tower and she's trying to make the White Tower work for the Dark One. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. which and, we knew. We sort of knew, right? Right. And, and she doesn't know where Demandred is and Samael is totally dead. Right. Wink. Wink, yeah. And that she's in Aradaman trying to do chaos stuff. Yeah, and Erengar is in with the rebel Aes Sedai, but we already knew that, yeah, but we that's knew. Halima. We could piece all that stuff together, but it was never said clearly like this. But yeah. we, we, So we still don't actually know where Demandred is, right? Like, I think we talked about this before. We, 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 I think our 
our general speculation is that he's in the Black Tower somewhere, right? Yeah, I, I think he's tame. Yeah, yeah. You think, yeah, yeah, that's right. You think Master Tame is, is I think Demandred. Like he's totally tame. And that, she, she, yeah, she doesn't know where Demandred is either, yeah. Based on this conversation, it may, there was there was something here. And then, that yeah. Maybe doubt it, but I don't know. Either way, yeah, he's, he's somewhere. And he's got armies, I think they say. He's got armies gathering. Well, that's what she says. But what he says is, I'm gathered for war. Okay, so that could mean so, he's assembling the. And, and she's like, "Oh, he's got armies," but he, yeah, he could be. It could be Ashaman. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. It has to be Mazum Tame though, because Mazum Tame is number two to Rand. Yeah, just like Demander's number two to lose. And Theron. the descriptions match. Yeah. Yeah. And Mazum Tame is evil as heck. Yeah, yeah, and I mean the descriptions match really well. That's how you figured out who Simiraj was too. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just one other point: Masana is wearing all white, and they call her a scholar to the core. So. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. So I wonder if that's it because I know the Browns are supposed to be like the scholars, but the Whites are like into like logic and stuff. So they're that's kind of like right. scholar philosophers. Yeah. So maybe I don't know which ones are the educators because that's what Masana is, right? Is that the she was the teacher? I, I mean, it seems like Browns and Whites are both interested in like the pursuit of knowledge and logic. So you know who else wears all white? Who? Novices. She could be a novice. Oh, that's a really good that's, point. So that's that's kind of what I thought. That but, would make sense, actually. Yeah, right? Maybe. Ma- well, think, maybe. Have, have we seen a novice acting super weird? Many times. Then <laughs> <laughs> uh, And also, I like how Grendel just thinks shade at Masana kind of the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, she kind of, she's a B-tier forsaken, really. She's kinda, like, <laughs> yeah, her heart's not into the evil part. She <laughs> just likes the studying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Simraj has always been the strong one, <laughs> right? Which is actually the point of this meeting is they're trying to uh, they're trying to to persuade Morden to rescue Simraj, and he's like, "Fuck that bitch!" <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Screw her!" Even though she was doing his orders, you know. The, yeah, the Forsaken are not a go team kind of kind of group of people, you know right, what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But Demandred and Masana want to rescue her because she's their buddy, right? Yeah. Well, part of their alliance, buddy might be a strong word, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Forsaken buddy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As close as Forsaken. Yeah, they're going to kill each other last. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, but then they leave. Demandred and Masana leave, right. and. Morid and orders Grendel to stop Rand from bringing peace to Aradoman. Right. And also, don't harm him, but make him sad. Make him really have a bad day. <laughs> yeah. Don't harm him. Just make him feel like shit. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, So whoever okay. says the meanest things to Rand is probably uh, Grendel. And that's Cat right. Swain. That's right. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. <laughs> Um, Let me cut to uh, Rodel Iteralde. Right. Who the wolf. launches yet another awesome ambush uh, on a gigantic Shanshan army. Yeah. 150,000 people is huge. Yeah, yeah that's, that's one massive. of the biggest armies that we've seen. Well, I think we've seen larger armies in that one fight where all of the Aiel came out, and, and that was several hundred thousand. Yeah. But this is not, this is the size of an army. Like, this is bigger than anything that any nation yeah. can gather. Right yeah, now. this is like modern warfare army. This yeah. is, well, it is like 1800s, you know, mass Livy. Or levee on mass kind of battle army. This gigantic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think maybe the numbers got a little inflated here because it's really hard to ambush 150,000 people. You can't move 150,000 people all at once. You yeah. Know? Yeah. No, it's interesting. Like Rodell's talking about how he he's caught like Sean Chan attention, um, and that he's like set this like this this city trap, but like 150,000 people could just like run it over, right? Like. Yeah. But anyway, the wolf strikes again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then we cut to the prophet, who is escaping from that horrible battlefield in Malden. I gotta say, we we haven't seen Masima's like POV for a while, and I getting ever? I don't know if we have. I was I was trying to think maybe before like early when he was still Masima, 
and not the prophet. We've, we had seen him and maybe like, like midway through, but like, no, I'd, if we, if we have seen his point of view, it hasn't been for a long time. Yeah. And uh, he is just as crazy as he's he so fucking crazy. Like at one minute he's like thinking about how amazing his followers are. And then he's like, hates them and thinks they're worthless. And then he thinks again that they're these amazing people who have sacrificed everything. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. That was cool writing. He is crazy. Uh, yeah. but we don't get that much of it because Fahil shows up and closes out that story thread. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to say, like, as much as I hate on Fahil, she just earned a whole big pile of cool points by closing <laughs> off this thread because I'm not a fan of Masima, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was, like, I was really hoping someone would deal with this. And, and man. Perrin, Perrin just... Maybe new, like new metal parent. That's what we should call him. Yeah. Uh, where he's dark. Mm-hmm. Maybe that guy could do it, but like real parent would not just kill this guy. Nope. Yeah. But Fahila's like, nope, no more Masima. No, <laughs> th- this guy is just a just a big old problem. And she's right. Yeah. He Although, is he even more metal now than he was when he was a blacksmith. Oh, oh that's true. Yeah. <laughs> the blackest of smiths. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> and But then she's like, the way she does it is she ambushes him with a bunch of Two Rivers archers and then mows them all down with arrows. So, thumbs up. Yeah. But then she's like, okay, and everybody remember, don't tell Perrin that we did this. Mm-hmm. Which, like, maybe her, like, faux Aiel guys would not tell Perrin, but all these other dudes work for him, right? They don't work for you. Uh, I mean... She has a weird way, an inexplicable way of getting people to follow her. Also, also the, the Two Rivers people are very protective of Perrin, so they might actually... Mm. Listen to her if they thought they were protecting Perrin by doing it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, but wait, but I'm not, are are we sure they're Two Rivers people? I know that they were archers, but they might have actually been her people. I you wasn't know, sure about it that. It just said archers. I assumed it meant Two Rivers people because they were in a forest, like ambushing people with arrows. It was a very Two Rivers thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> but you're right. Maybe it was more of the faux Aiel. Yeah. So that's it for the prologue. This was a banger of a prologue. Yeah, obviously. it was. Yeah, what happened? Like, like, first of all, it was. I mean. Quite a bit shorter than a standard Robert Jordan prologue. It was about 40, 45. 34 pages, which is impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to 100 pages. Right. Uh, it was all like, it was direct, all directly kind of tied to the same themes, like what's going on in Arad Daman. Grendel's dealing with what's going on in Arad Daman. Rand or the other people are dealing with what's going on with Arad Daman. Yeah. Yeah. And I always like seeing our main characters from, from somebody at like tertiary characters' perspective, which we saw with. Um, Rand and Nynaeve and Fael, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, chapter one, Tears from Steel, <laughs> Icon of the Dragon. Uh, we get the famous wind intro. Yeah, the which, wind blows on the city of Tarvalon. Yeah. It's looking kind of busted. Yeah, it's all kind of like the wind thinks, oh, that's dirty. Like, Yeah. <laughs> the wind's like, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep moving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> then it blows over the rebels, uh, who are still defiant, even though Egwene has been captured. And then it keeps blowing, and then it gets absorbed by another wind, an evil wind. Because yeah. it tries to blow on Rand, but not his hand, because that's gone. <laughs> <laughs> and it blows over to Rand, who's hanging out at a log mansion somewhere. And there's Rand. And uh, Rand clocks that it's an evil wind. He's looking out. At, mm-hmm. the, at the trees are blowing one way, but the banners are blowing another way. Evil wind. And he's... Sitting there basically being worried about what Samir Haj told him, which is that you're crazy. Mm-hmm. And you're, 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 this is a normal thing for people who are going crazy like you. you know? Yeah. 
it's uh i mean you know not not great news right yeah but at this point rand is just like well, well whatever add to the pile yeah. of bad news and this i actually He's having a <laughs> i really love this this little bit here where rand is thinking oh, she was probably just lying that she's probably lying and i'm, I'm not crazy and then lose there and the voice in his head says no no no, she never lies <laughs> you're totally crazy <laughs> shut up head wizard <laughs> 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 I mean, like he and he's trying to juice Lucerne for for details about everything, right? But Lucerne's like not in a very good mood either. He's gonna be <laughs> yeah. like, whatever. It's like, hey, so how did you seal the Dark One's prison? Lucerne's like, crying my corner. And Rand is sitting there considering his plan in in much more direct terms than we have gotten in the past. They are to ally with the Shanshan and prove himself to Tuan by basically making peace mm-hmm. all in, in Arad Doman and stopping the war. Yeah. I felt it was very satisfying to have him think about things and we actually knew what he was thinking. Yeah. So I guess thank you, Brandon Sanderson. Absolutely. This is like, it's all connected. Like yeah. the, the, Most of the prologue was about this. This is about this. We can see the, the pieces coming together. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel... I, like Robert Jordan had the pieces, you know, it was all a big puzzle, but he would just give you these little snippets that yeah. were too hard to piece together, in my opinion. Yeah, because I mean, like, it would be really subtle stuff and it would not come up again for maybe the rest of the book, right? It might be coming up in the next book and you'd be like, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. I remember the, there was the book where he thought about his, Rand thought about his plan for like literally three books, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which was to get into the city, which was what we figured out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Traveling. It was not. It was not a very complex plan, but yeah. you know, whatever. But he only referred to it for a few books. Yeah. Rand also knows that Grandel is in Arad Doman, mm-hmm. uh, and he knows that because Asmodian told him, and he thinks Asmodian told him that months ago. So. So why would he think Grandel would still be there? Well, well I mean, uh, well, uh, my question is, months ago. Yeah. Asmodian died like seven books ago. Uh huh. Like time is not actually not that much time. Time has passed. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't even been a year since they left Two Rivers, probably right. Really? I don't know. It's yeah, hard to tell. It's going to be like two years at least. But like Asmodian know, died man. after the Battle of Kyrian. Mm-hmm. So it's only been a few months few months since the Battle of Kyrian. Holy crap. Yeah. The easiest way for me to try to figure it out is by looking at Egwene's story arc. Because I feel like she went to enough different places that you can kind of get a better That's sense true. of how long it's been. But well, yeah. But time frames are so hard to establish. No, they are yeah, super yeah. hard to establish. Yeah. So anyway. Oh, I, I, th- I do think it's funny that like, so he's like, okay, Grendel's probably in Aradaman. And then he's like, oh, and she's probably in a, in a pleasure palace in the, in the mountains or something like that. <laughs> it's just like with Luz there, he's like, yeah, you kind of nailed it. That's yep. exactly where she is. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's her thing. Yep. Uh, also still no word back from Tuan, uh, from. Right. Yeah. Cause okay. I think, I think that message because did not think, get delivered. Yeah. I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. So Rand is finally. Moving on from the sword fighting, now that he lacks a hand, he actually <laughs> thinks like, to himself, maybe I just shouldn't rely on the sword so much. Yes. I mean, you know, I do have godlike powers, I suppose the sword doesn't make sense. <laughs> so then Kat Swain and Nynaeve and Olivia come back in. They've been questioning Samir Haj. Yeah. And they're, Lame questioning. Yeah. They're not having much success because Rand won't let them hurt or or even threaten her? Well, I mean, torture is not going to work on Samir Haj, right? I mean, maybe not regular torture, but magic torture. They've got all, they got all kinds she of weird She knows tricks, all right? about magic torture. Yeah, I mean, Samir torture is the torturer. But, I mean, how often do you think she gets tortured? She's the one who does the torturing. That doesn't mean she's good at being tortured. Yeah, she That's might be point. like, ow, I'll tell you everything. <laughs> <laughs> I guess oh, we won't oh, find oh. out. Man, I'm never doing this again. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, this is what it feels like? Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm such an asshole. <laughs> and she'll be like, the real way you torture somebody is you do that pleasure magic to them. <laughs> That's right. And if the water's in the other room, then, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but but Brandon's still doing his I, I can't harm a woman thing. And this is a little eye-rolly because this is one of the fucking forsaken but you know yeah okay. but I mean I'm against torture personally I don't think you should torture her uh, I don't think I, mean, I don't think in the real world you get good results out of torture yeah you're, I mean we know that that's true uh, but you know I mean still it's frustrating yeah that they're not doing anything uh, but as he's thinking about this Luz Theron mentions that there were no women in the strike on Shia Gull that sealed the Dark One in his prison yeah, yeah which I don't that's very interesting I, I don't know if we knew that well, he mentioned the hundred companions before, right? Which I kind of thought were mixed gender. I, I thought so too. Yeah, they were. But I guess they were all bros. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is why they failed because they couldn't form a circle. Because as we know, you need yeah. Well, a woman they, they didn't fail. I guess I, I. This is what I'm putting together just from this one reference. I think maybe that's why the taint happened, is because there were just men there, so they weren't able to do it right. Yeah, he said. He said. I think Lucerne says something like, "That's why it went wrong" or something like that. I don't think we get details, but yeah, yeah. Or maybe it could be that because there were only men there, that that's why the taint was only on the male half of the, the channeling or something. So if it had been both men and women, maybe the taint would have been everywhere. Right, yeah. Yeah, interesting. That That's very interesting. And Rand immediately clicks here for more information and lives there and pisses off again. <laughs> <laughs> it's really irritating. Yeah. And then Rand stands there and, and mutters to himself and bees crazy for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he actually shouts out loud at Luz Theron, uh, and it doesn't do much. And uh, yeah, everyone's like, whoa. <laughs> he's like, I mean, achoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rand is, uh, appears to be unraveling rapidly. I, I mean, again. And not just his hand. Yeah, not just his hand, which has already unraveled. Uh, but he's got, I mean, we've got three more books. So I'm not sure how he's going to hang in there with only one hand. Right, yeah. Both hands to hang. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So chapter two, the nature of pain, icon of the Tarvalon flame. So it, we cut in on Egwene getting another beating from Sylviana. She's getting really good at taking beatings, I gotta say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say it's a useless skill, but I have to say that it, it's hard to see how an Armelin will uh, have will find the ability to take beatings uh, useful in the long run. It's a, okay. Okay, your majesty. I, I'll make you a bet. You'll sign this treaty if I can laugh while you're spanking me. <laughs> Did you notice, though, that Brandon Sanderson changed it? Sylviana used to beat her with a slipper. We joked about her beating slipper, and now it's a strap, which makes True. it sound a lot worse. And mm-hmm. did he say, did Jordan say beating before? I thought he said spanking. Yeah. Mm, like and, you might have changed the words. And Sanderson said beating. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. It, it definitely seems a lot less sexual here. Yeah. I think you're right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I know we've given Robert Jordan a lot of trouble about the whole uh it seems like he fetishizes it a little bit but this felt very real yeah yeah uh, and also Egwene's reaction to it felt a little bit different in a, in a positive way for me you know and it, and it it's obviously part of her arc here that she's kind of developing this like way of coping with what she's going through but it felt different to me too yeah and uh, Egwene's Elida meeting is tonight yeah, that's right. So none of the spanking matters because she's about to go meet Elida. Yeah, and uh, she's making progress. She's making progress with Sylviana, and she's making progress with the other Reds very slowly. She's making lots of progress with the novices. They love her. Yeah, but before she goes to uh, meet 
meet with Elida, she has to get her her fork root uh, dose because Elida yeah. doesn't want her to have any channeling ability at all when she's doing this. Right, yeah. which is a good call. Yeah, good. I call. mean, it is a good call, but it also indicates that Elida has. To me, it indicates that Elida is aware of how dangerous she could be. Right. So you know, that's something. Uh, but yeah, like the two reds that that are there with her, she's like working them too. You know. Yeah. Yep. One of them's really receptive to it. It seems like. That's Red Aja, so that's like that's impressive. That's, yeah, that's yeah. real progress. Yeah, it's, you know? it's working. Yeah, she gets one of them. I, know, I like the bit where she, one of them says, "Your rebel I Sedai won't do anything," and Gwen's like, "Oh, they're my rebels now." <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I think that she's earned respect at least. Absolutely. And there's as they're heading towards a lighter's room. There's that crazy instability that's rearranging the buildings causes a oh. tapestry to be in front of a hallway that should have been there and yeah. the, the tapestry has changed super fucked up yeah yeah it's like like a blood on the person's face and dead bodies hanging there yeah 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 that's that's pretty ominous portraiture yeah. there right there that's that's that was the, intense like the honestly the passages moving around i don't think that would bother me very much but this would bother me yeah <laughs> yeah suddenly there's a, there's a portrait that you're very familiar with and this one has like bodies and like you yeah, know, yeah. Very night, a nightmare scene. Yeah. So Egwene resolves to just keep silent during Elida's dinner. Yeah. Because she's like, okay, I don't want to bow to her. I don't want to let her win, but I also don't want to get my head chopped off. <laughs> this is actually, I, I was, I was kind of wondering about this because you know we talked about we we've seen this scene coming for a while because it was mentioned in the previous book, and I was trying to kind of picture how Egwene would handle this because Elida does not have any patience for any kind of rebellion, right? She, right. she, she's. She's crazy. Like yeah. she, she'll she'll overreact and do something brutal, right? And I also don't think Egwene is trying to turn Elida at all. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Else. Yeah. No. So I think this is actually a really smart strategy. Yeah. Uh, not not especially satisfying for those of us who are hoping to for Egwene to like bring Elida down somehow, but like yeah. I think it's a good way to go. There's time. Yeah. And uh, as when she gets there, that person Maidani is there mm-hmm. yes who this to, i'm trying to remind myself this is the one that elida had previously had a, 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 a sexual relationship with, yeah, with, yeah. A, a relationship yes. with mm-hmm. and was bringing right. her back but who is now a rebel spy and that elida is aware of it aware yes. of it yeah and is, is like messing with her or like is trying to sleep with her trying to coerce her or I something think both i think she wants her company and i think she's also trying to pump her for information but i think that she uh What's her name? Melani? Maidani. Maidani. I think Maidani was actually sent there by someone also. Yeah. Was told but, to cozy up to Elida. Yeah. So that's so she's very unhappy because anybody in a room with Elida is very unhappy. <laughs> yeah. And Elida and Elida is like kind of making her feel like shit. She's like forcing her to research uh what was done to previous rebels and previous, you know. Yeah. 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 And I, I'm pretty sure that Robert Jordan wrote this part. Because we get a comprehensive understanding of Maidani's bosom. That is yes. true. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's so familiar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Her boobs were normal, but she was so skinny that they looked massive. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. They were whoosh, huge. This is what Egwene thought. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, but so, Egwene serves Elida at dinner and keeps quiet as much as she can and Elida kind of just rants yeah we get to, uh, to enjoy Elida's hot takes on various situations like <laughs> how Shanchen or fake news and <laughs> hey why don't sisters take an oath of loyalty to me huh yeah right yeah Egwene yeah. is having trouble holding it together right yeah Egwene gets so mad that she does the only thing she can think of which is dump the soup on the floor <laughs> yep yep good move Egwene yeah I mean you know not what I would have done but like it 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 gives her an opportunity to kind of 
Stockles into Elida be crazy. Right. And, and she turns it into an opportunity to also confer with Elida's dinner guest. Which right. Is, you know, yeah, because Elida runs off to scream for servants. Mm-hmm. And then and Egwene connects with Maidani. Yeah. Who going into this probably didn't think of her as the leader, but like walking yeah. out of this absolutely does. Yeah, I think she does the same trick she did with Bayonin, which is like, no, I'm still the armor on the seat. You still promise to serve me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if like, these guys promised, actually swore to serve her, but whatever. Same yeah. thing. Either way, yeah. And, yeah, because uh, she I, didn't actually send these people, right? Like some the, of them. Yeah, the, the Saladar I said I did. Yeah, yeah you're right. Uh, so I take an issue with Elida's rant here because she calls Egwene a wilder, which she is not. No. Yeah. Well, okay. Excuse me, ma'am. <laughs> she did spend some. She didn't spend enough time in the tower to get raised from any, to anything, right? Like. Yeah, but a wilder means she was channeling before. She learned to channel before coming to the tower. Yeah, you're and right. So Nynaeve is a wilder. Egwene is should be just a novice in Elida or an accepted in Elida's. Well, I think it's because her training was interrupted because she went off and practiced it with the Aiel for a long time. Oh yeah, because she was with the Aiel. Yeah, and learned like a lot being there. a wilder. Mm-hmm. But still, I, I think Elida crossed the line there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's fair. And uh, then Egwene is finally sent away after having connected with May Donnie. Yeah, all in all, this dinner was a lot less satisfying than I would have hoped. But it also, to me, this was a really important realization for Egwene. And I, I think Egwene says it. It's like... Yeah, she's uh, like, oh, essentially, oh, I don't have to bring Elida yeah, down. Yeah, Elida's fucked, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like we, we knew this, you know, here in this room, we were like, yeah, Elida's fucked. But, but Egwene's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Elida's is not a problem. And I think we got better insight into Egwene and why she would be a better, why she was going to be a good leader. Like talking about like the whole Shan Chen thing. Like that's, I mean, Egwene is totally in the right there. Like Elida's is insane. Like to not to discount the Shan Chen. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I, I liked how Egwene kind of shifts gears right away. Like wait a wait a minute, I shouldn't be pulling this tower down. I should be building it up and mm-hmm. waiting waiting to pick up the pieces when Elida destroys herself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why I think this 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 dinner thing was. To me, not not what I expected, but was in a way very you know, was was still very interesting because at that point, Egwene's approach is Elida is not my biggest problem. My biggest problem is post Elida because because like yeah, the 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 end of the, you know, the the final battles coming, the Shantun are coming, and if the tower isn't the state it's in right now, then nothing's going to ha- survive, right? Yeah, and then this this realization. As she goes to her uh, second spanking of the evening, it leads to her kind of changing her approach to the beatings because she she realizes that the pain that she feels at seeing the tower falling apart is worse than the pain in her butt uh, from being spanked. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. And so she laughs at the ridiculousness of being spanked when th- this horrible thing is going on all around her. Mm-hmm. So it's- like... Just like the Aiel, she laughs yep. at pain. Her, yeah. her, her torture training finally has paid off. <laughs> yeah. And Sylviana's like, are you are you okay? And Elaine's and Egwene is like, yeah, I'm great. <laughs> well, I, I mean, like, she's like, she recognizes the ridiculousness of the situation, and she's like, don't you think it's crazy that you're beating the Amarlin seat? And she's like, okay, hold on now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, I mean, like, even that, I think, uh, is an, is another. It it seems to me that Sylviana's coming around, which you know, I think so. Be a, yeah. big, a big change. Yeah. <clears throat> Anything else? I think that's it. No. I just uh, like I think this. Uh, I, I mean, I know that uh, you know this is a mixed bag as far as like who wrote what, but so far, it's off to a strong start. I'm really, really mm-hmm. liking what we're seeing so far. Agreed. Yeah, and it, it did have that bit right there at the end where it's like Egwene had a lot of work to do. Yeah, that that feels like a clunker. That's not something Rob Jordan would have written. True. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was. Well, we'll, we'll talk. I'm sure we'll talk about this a lot through the course of the next three books. But um, I was curious, like, how does it feel so far? You know, as someone who's not typically a fan of Brandon Sanderson. Uh, jury's still up, in my yeah. opinion. Like the the writing is, uh, I I think not very uh, not very flowing. But Robert Jordan wrote some things that were not that easy to read either. So sure, we'll see. We shall see. So that's it for this episode. Next time we're going to cover chapters. Three through eight of The Gathering Storm. I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. That's Blue Bonnet Cafe on Instagram. I'm Michael Sparkman. I still don't have one of those. <laughs> if you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at armadillo.club. We love hearing from you. And if you have any questions, we might answer them on air. Please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews wherever you got this, especially iTunes. Please find out how you can support us on Patreon at armadillo.club. Please like us in real life. We're just so likable. Until next time. The the light light illumine you. you.